naturally get into it. And yeah. Yeah, I think that no matter what you're gonna do, if you are, if you're gonna put something out there, it's got to be to the highest level that you can produce each time, right? For sure. Yeah. So like you mentioning that, um, it's like even people that I talk to that want to make Instagram posts for whatever their thing is, like their business, or if they're trying to like create a brand or whatever. I'm like, make sure you know the settings on your phone so yep, that you do yep. the right video <laughs> settings and so everything looks good because it's amazing how people can even mess up an Instagram video mm -hmm. from their phone. Right, and Instagram videos on your phone are supposed to be just like this organic, doesn't have to be all this high quality stuff, but, right. but it's pretty quick to, sometimes the minutia does matter. Yeah, it does, yeah. absolutely, yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of The Counter Culture. This is my friend and chiropractor peter gonzalez oh he's hispanic <laughs> as am i even though you probably wouldn't guess by looking at either of us yeah we're uh hybrids yeah <laughs> yes we're hybrids are you you're half or 25 percent half uh half puerto rican half, half, puerto rican. half puerto rican half italian and then the 23 and me genetic testing shows that i am pretty much everything on earth <laughs> except like Scandinavian, which my wife is like almost all Scandinavian. So our children, I think, have everything. Wow. Uh, kind of blew me away when we did that. And we we're like looking at all these, you know, it gives you the map of the world and color codes and everything. And it was like, we literally have, I think, everything covered. There's everything inside you. There's African, there's like Egyptian. It's it's wild. It's pretty That's cool. crazy. Yeah. I got to do one of those 23andMe tests. I still haven't done it yet. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about them having my DNA, but yeah. like... But I already did it. So something about it like really freaks me out. You know, like how people are scared of Bill Gates and like putting a microchip inside well, of you. I think I did get cloned. Okay. Because in <laughs> yeah. college, my uh, it was actually the, the dean of the um, school of science. I was talking to him. He's a big researcher guy, and he comes up to me and he's like, "Hey, man, like, like how, how was the seminar in China?" I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And he's like, "Yeah, that seminar in China. I saw pictures. You were there." I'm like, "I've never." been to china I don't, I don't know what and he's looking at me like i've got two heads so then he shows me this picture and it just was me like it was it was me everything about it was just like i don't know how to explain that but it's not me but it, i think i do i might have a. but it is also me but it's also me that's yeah. so that's crazy i think there may be a clone of me what so. what ha like what <laughs> i have so many questions <laughs> what does too. that feel like i've never ever had I've had like weird, you know, like deja vu. Mm -hmm. Like I've had really weird deja vu instances where like I like have a panic attack almost because I'm yeah. like, I know this happened. I don't know where or when or how, but I know that this happened. If that happened to me, I would lose my mind. It's a weird day. Yeah. yeah. It definitely made me feel weird for a little while. It was like somebody's just my doppelganger or they did clone me. Yeah. That's crazy. Cloning is more possible than you. I mean, I. I wouldn't be surprised if that is a thing that's been done, but yeah, like learning like how they cloned that Dolly the sheep was the first clone ever created. It's like um, they cloned a sheep, and it is almost spot on. I'm pretty sure they just followed like Jurassic Park. Yeah, how they created the dinosaurs in Jurassic Park is like very scientifically accurate if they had the right DNA. What? Yeah, it's pretty. It was pretty legit. Oh, we could go down the rabbit hole right yeah. now yeah. because, dude, I it's funny because there was another podcast that I was talking about. Our, my buddy Stets, Ryan Stets came in. We were talking about something eerily similar to that, right? I don't want to go down the rabbit hole, actually, because <laughs> people are going to start thinking that I'm I'm freaking nuts, which I kind of am. But yeah, we're all yeah, nuts. Yeah, if we go down it, it'll 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 be wild. Um, 
All right, so let's dive into your history a little bit, dude. Sure. What uh, what made you want to get into chiropractic? So when I was in high school, I was thinking maybe I wanted to be a medical doctor or something. I just really liked health sciences, thought it was fascinating. And I think we did the fetal pig dissections or something. I was like, oh, this is awesome. I just want to be some kind of doctor. Um, and then once I got into college, we started doing a lot of genetic research, which is why I'm very fascinated with that. And I totally changed gears and was like, I'm going to be a genetic researcher um, so I was doing a lot of lab work and working with a pipette and most people that know me know that I talk too much and I just, I love the information, but I just sitting in a closed room that was tiny that, you know, you're just working in the lab all day was just not like my thing. Yeah. Um, so then, um, I had seen a chiropractor here and there. He was very like twist, pop, crack, come back when it hurts again. It, it was fine. Um, but it didn't really catch my interest very much. And then my mom actually said, Hey, my friend's going to this doc. Um, this is out in New Jersey where I grew up. And she's like, he's apparently doing things very different. Um, you should go shadow him. So I called up, went and I shadowed him for a semester. And it blew me away, um, the techniques he was using. There was no twist pop crack. There was no manual stuff. It was all very, very precise, gentle work. Mm-hmm. And everybody in the office, from the staff to the patients that were coming through, was just like happy. People weren't coming in saying, I'm sick, I'm whatever. They weren't, like everyone was just really happy and their lives were all changed and um, it was just so fascinating to see like a healthcare facility that had such a positive vibe. Yeah. It's like, maybe I do want to do this. This is really fascinating. Um, so I kind of told him, I think I'm thinking about going to chiropractic school. And he was like, oh, congratulations. I'm like, congratulations. I'm just like <laughs> yeah. thinking about it. Um, Interesting thing to say to somebody. Yeah. And then just like my gut was just like, I, I really need to do this. Um, at the time, I was suffering from really severe migraines, okay. which just starting getting adjusted by him, I was noticing a massive difference in how that was improving and improving and improving. Um, so then I decided to go take a tour of the university down in Georgia's Life University where I went. Um, wonderful school. The tour I had was very like offshoot, random, not during when they normally do it. And it was like kind of a bad tour. Okay toward another school in New York that was like, this one was really cool. But my gut was just like, I just got to go to Georgia for some reason. So when I went down there, I met some, some really cool chiropractors that were doing things very different. Um, and it just kind of blew me away. There's not like this aha moment. I really had it kind of organically just transitioned, but I'm big on following my intuition and my gut more so now than ever. But even then it was just like, I just feel like I have to do this. Okay. Um, and then just to see that chiropractic's not just what you see on YouTube. Like, right. I thought it was just this twist, pop, crack, come back when it hurts kind of thing. And to see all these different techniques and different styles and that it's so much more than just pain. Mm-hmm. To me, it was like, this. what a perfect profession for what I want to do. I want to help people in healthcare and like actually solve problems for people and actually fix them versus just try and put a band-aid on it right to see people with migraines and vertigo and headaches and digestive anxiety like people were getting dramatic improvement in their life and it was changing their lives and it was like this this just sounds freaking awesome yeah it's pretty sweet because like all right so for a long time i didn't have the best outlook on chiropractic yeah and actually before i before i met you i started going to a chiropractor um we should mention he owns North Point Chiropractic in Pewaukee. Give him a visit. So I uh, had to plug that in real quick before we like get too deep. Um, so I had because I like grew up in powerlifting and, you know, um, bodybuilding, all that stuff. And it didn't really go hand in hand at the time. 
Um, I feel like chiropractic and like getting body work done kind of grew into those sports like totally. gradually. <clears throat> so I was also, but the weird thing is that I've never really been into Western medicine either. I've never really had good faith in the Western medicine model. For example, like you said, doctors just, or you said you didn't want to just put a bandaid on things. You wanted to actually fix it. And I've kind of always thought that because like when you walk into a GP's office, it's like they have two minutes with you. They like do the ding ding. And then they like, listen to your heart. How are you breathing? Whatever. And then they like leave and it's whatever prescription they decide to give you on that day. And, um, yeah, let's, let's try this, come back in six weeks and we'll see how you did. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly that. So I've never bought into that and I've never bought into um, disease being like, I don't want to say like a catch all, but like doctors kind of use, like if you're sick, it that's it. That's kind of the end of the road, right? Like they just like, you're basically, you're done and then there's no way out. But when, so when I used to go to therapy back in the day, um, cause as a kid I had, you know, anxiety, I dealt with OCD, depression, like all this stuff. Right. And, but like, I would talk to my therapist because somebody said something to me at one point. They're like, oh, if you're depressed, like that sucks. You're going to be that way for the rest of your life. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking Sounds about? Wrong. Yeah. And like, then your they're like, said that's not correct. Yeah, exactly. I was like, what are you talking about? And like, so I like actually got into a little argument with this person. They're like, well, yeah, that's a thing that you deal with for the rest of your life. I was like, that, that literally doesn't even make sense to me because like, I feel like if something's broken, it can always be fixed, mm -hmm. you know? And I've always thought that. And so I went down the big rabbit hole when I was like 16, 17 years old into like orthomolecular medicine, Abram Hoffer, like all these different like names that nobody talks about for, we can speculate on why, mm -hmm. um, pharmaceutical industry, all that stuff. But then, so then later on, so I think when I went like turned 20 or 21, that's when I finally found chiropractic care. And the one thing that struck me about this guy that he said, his name is Dr. Zach. He uh, is at Elite Sport and Spine in Brookfield. Yep. Yeah. Um, he said to me, because I told him, I was like, yeah, dude, I just don't know if I like really believe in chiropractic. He said to me while well, I'm on his table, he's like, well, here's the good thing is that the data doesn't care if you believe it or not. Mm -hmm. And I was like, fair. All right. <laughs> I buy into this now. Yeah. Yeah. You sold me. That was That's literally it. And then from there, I've been seeing a chiropractor on and off for probably how old am I? 30. So nine years. Yeah. yeah. And that's how, and not every medical doctor is like this. There's, there's plenty of good ones out there. And if you need one, let me know. I have good referrals. Um, what I see very often from our patients that come in, they, they get a diagnosis and a diagnosis is simply one thing. It is a, a term to categorize symptoms. Mm -hmm. They, they're given a diagnosis. Here's the treatment for that diagnosis that they, and these doctors are not malicious that are doing this. That's just how they're trained. They're taught to say A plus B equals C. If I yeah. have a diagnosis, here's my treatment for that diagnosis, and here's the expectation or prognosis for that diagnosis. But a diagnosis is literally a description of symptoms. So if you have, for example, you know, um, cellulitis. Like, itis is just inflammation. Mm -hmm. Or a, a really good one that this one, gets me kind of frustrated all the time with like GI specialists that, okay, you've got um, ulcerative colitis. People say, oh my gosh, I've got this disease. What are my treatment options? It's like incurable. Here's the management of medication that you're gonna be on for the rest of your life, often given biologics, injections, all this stuff. Ulcerative colitis, itis means inflammation, colon, and it's ulcerative. So you have so much inflammation in your colon that it's creating ulcers. 
doesn't tell you anything about the why. And yeah. to not go deeper and just keep asking why until your face turns blue. Um, and I see this with that kind of model of, hey, come in, here's my you know 15 minutes I'm allotted by this big system that is controlled by money. Um, to not ask why more is intellectually lazy. Yes. And that is frustrating to me that our healthcare system as a whole is, in my opinion, intellectually lazy. Not to say that like I'm perfect by any means, but we have to as healthcare providers, no matter what part of body work or whatever part of healthcare you're in, you have to ask why more. Always, always, always ask why. Because if your elbow hurts, why? Did, did you get hit with a baseball on the elbow? Okay, now we know why and right. how is that affecting the rest of the system? But that system also works in a mechanistic model. Yep. The elbow hurts, look at the elbow. Yeah. Well, what about how the elbow affects the wrist and the shoulder and how the shoulder then affects the spine? Yeah. How the fine affects, spine affects the organs? Mm-hmm. The whole thing is, is connected. It's one unit. It's a vitalistic model is, is accurate. A mechanistic model, it's looking at us like we would look at a car and we're not. We're biological. We're, I mean, the human body is a freaking miracle. It's incredible the yeah. things that it does that we're still barely scratching the surface on understanding. Yeah, and I think that that's like something that's really important that you said too is that like the doctors aren't doing anything malicious. Like they're not like, doctors aren't evil. You know, the yeah. people who like are kind of in, I guess I would say our realm where they're more natural about things. It's That's kind of a weird term to say, but you get what I'm saying if you're listening to this that like to do more holistic things, they tend to think like doctors are evil or they're just not doing their job or whatever, but no, they're 100% doing their job and they're probably really well intended too. That's just how they're taught, that's just how they've been trained. I think it's really rare to find any kind of doctor that didn't get into that to help people. Exactly, and it's hard to, to to be the doctor who asks why like keeps pushing and asking why and why and why when you only have a certain amount of time with people because that's how the system is set up. Right. It might not necessarily be that they don't want to know why. It's just they they don't they literally don't have the time. Imagine seeing time. yeah, exactly. And imagine seeing 60 fucking patients in a day and you have to figure out why for every single one of those people. That's why those like uh concierge like is it concierge yeah. the doctors yeah like they get down to the bottom of it a lot more because there's only a certain amount of people that are paying for memberships. Right. And that's, I've talked to doctors that have been through this where they're part of a hospital system and they, they leave and open private practice because they're so frustrated because they're like, they see it too. And I'll never forget. We had a a doctor come into our office for care. Um, We're actually seeing um, her husband and she was an internist and I was doing an exam on her husband and she made a comment of like, you're really doing that test? And I thought she was coming at me from a combative standpoint. And I was like, all right, here we go. I'm going like, yeah. to get in this discussion with her. What was the test? Um, I was doing some neurological testing, some reflex work and some orthopedic testing. Stuff that to me is like not, I mean, it's pretty common that we do. It's normal practice. And she was just like, yeah, they don't, they don't do that anymore. She was like, I'm very impressed. Mm. She's like, because she was, she's like, I'm in this hospital system they give us this much time we like we can't do that anymore you almost jump right to an mri yeah when for a lot of times for example a disc herniation like you can pretty much accurately depict accurately depict exactly where that disc herniation is what level it's at what direction it's pushing from a physical examination yeah so you go to a hospital and they say let's do an mri um imaging only can take you so far yeah an mri fantastic knowledge but often it's unnecessary. Mm-hmm. So here's a $6,000 test unless you go pay cash out of pocket, but 
Yeah. Again, that's another money problem. Yeah. Um, but why aren't we utilizing what we have as human beings to one, have the knowledge and education that we have, yeah. the practice that we have, but also our intuition. And I think mm-hmm. that is something that makes or breaks a good healthcare provider is their intuition. Yeah. Because I've talked to a lot of chiropractors about this because we tend to be a little more out there and, you know, yeah, thinking of how does the energy flow through the body and stuff, not just right. the elbow hurts or the neck hurts. And oftentimes you like your intuition guides you on stuff and you'll say, I'm going to go explore this area of the body that they didn't even tell me about. Mm-hmm. And I can't count how many times people say, I forgot to tell you about that. How'd you find it? And yeah. Like, sometimes I got I don't know. Cause that hurt. And then I looked at this and I looked at that and then I just felt like I should check this. And then you find stuff and the intuition that we have, the ability that we have as human beings to tap into each other's energy and interact on an energetic level goes so far. Yeah. And here's your 15 minute time span Mm -hmm. doesn't fit. Yeah, I agree. I also think that, um, patients can be pretty lazy too though. Oh yeah. Right. Yeah. Like so many, like a lot of, for me, and I say this to everybody, you need to be your best, like own health advocate. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes people will take the prescription that the doctor gives them, whether it be go get the MRI or take the actual prescription or whatever it is without trusting their intuition and doing further research themselves. You guys, the answers are everywhere. Like you can, you can figure it out yourself. You can go get the blood testing done yourself. Lab Corp, it doesn't cost that much money to get most blood testing nowadays um, on your own, but the answers are always there. The energy thing. I find that interesting because I'm very like big on, on energy, energy and you know how, man, how do I say this again? I don't want to sound too woo woo or sound like too much like a hippie, but from the podcasts that people have listened to so far, I'm sure they can already tell that I'm kind of a hippie with this type of stuff. Um, it seems that chiropractic is the only health field in quotes besides like Chinese medicine or whatever, you know, things of that nature that kind of acknowledge the energetic field of the body. What's that about? So the university I went to, I think, uh, so Life University, uh, the one in Marietta, Georgia, they have a, another a couple of branch, clini- uh, branch universities, but uh, it, the one I went to is the largest. Mm. Um, so I can speak for what I experienced there, and I know that we get so much exposure to such a variety of techniques on a wide spectrum of, here's the energy work. Um, energy work that is so weird hokey pokey that you're like i don't understand this at all all the way to if there's not a research peer-reviewed published article i'm not doing it yeah and anywhere on that spectrum and what i thought was really cool about that is all of the techniques seemed to work so me coming from i mentioned i was doing like genetic research when i first got to chiropractic school my like heavy science brain was saying like some of this stuff i'm seeing it work i'm seeing it produce results but how because if it's working, there is a scientific explanation. Yeah. Um, and sure, a lot of it, you know, chiropractic has finally caught up a lot in having data to support what it's doing. Is there actual, like, ongoing chiropractic oh, yeah. research? Yeah, there's a lot of it. There is? Um, like, peer-reviewed? Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, they're doing a lot of research on it, and it's caught up finally. Because that was a big thing that our profession struggled with in the past. Was yeah. Prove it, prove it, prove it. And we're like, well, it's really hard to produce a study to say if I'm going to adjust somebody for headaches, the most common I would say is either C1 or C2, Mm -hmm. but sometimes it's C1 and I also need to adjust sacrum. And then I also need to adjust this. And then, well, maybe that person's was C2 and that person's was a cranial bone. And so to have a peer reviewed double blind study, it's hard because it's it's not repeatable because it's not 
always the same. Right. So to say chiropractic and headaches and I did something different for a hundred different people. Mm -hmm. Like it kind of has to start at the foundation of what research does. It's anecdotal and then you build on that and eventually you get there. So I think we're getting there. Um, But with the energy stuff, I think it started for me where I started exploring this deeper was um, with a, a branch of applied kinesiology that does muscle testing for supplements. So within this branch, it's, I think it's called, um, it's applied nutritional analysis. You'll hold on to a supplement in your hand. Well, first okay. you'll do nothing and they'll test like a, you know, deltoid strength test. Mm-hmm. And then you'll hold on to a supplement or, you know, a little jar of sugar or something bad. And if it's bad, your body like blows out and you can't hold your arm up. So I had it done to me and I was like, well, it's like I'm, I'm pushing with everything I got and I'm seeing this change. I've done it to people where I can know, at least I can speak for myself. I wasn't pushing harder or less. I'm like, all right, I'm seeing that, but that makes no sense. Sure. What sensor in my hand is picking up through glass in a jar that item? So I went deeper because my science was like, I'm seeing it work. There's got to be an explanation or right. I'm just going nuts. I don't know. One of the, one of the other. <laughs> yeah. So then I started buying all these quantum physics books. Like it led me down like a really um, heady research, personal research uh, experience. That's cool. Where I landed on it, that was enough for me, was most of the weird hokey energy stuff that you believe and you see it working, but it seems, like I, I like that term for it, as it's like a little hokey, it's weird. Mm-hmm. Most of it is hokey and weird just because it's over our heads. Yeah. It is down to vibrational string theories and quantum physics. And if you read through it and actually go through it, which I... I mean, it's hard because I was sitting there Googling terms like, what the hell are they talking about? Mm -hmm. Um, It comes down to frequency. Energy is energy. So a light bulb, the camera, everything that has energy flowing through it, our body is the same. Yeah. It travels through the neurology. That's why to me, chiropractic is so important. You need a clear, a clear line for the information to travel as electricity, essentially across the nerves. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a whole research thing on, uh, it's called heart math. And heart math studied vibrational energy and frequency and how could you actually see the interactions from human to human and they were able to pick up with some very sensitive technology that we could actually sense our energetic frequency and EKG information from about six feet away. Hmm. Ah. Well, that's a whole other thing. (laughs) But um, we won't go too far down that rabbit hole. Yeah. Um, And there's a book called Frequency that actually talks about if, if you've ever met somebody and you don't know why you just don't like them. Like, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I barely had any interaction with them, but I just, we're just not jiving. Their theory on it was because it's like two guitar strings out of tune. Our frequencies are hitting at different levels. It creates dissonance mm-hmm. and you simply feel that. Sure. So again, back to the intuition. If you can get accustomed to like trusting that and knowing that, hey, if I'm feeling somebody's spine and I don't know why I keep getting drawn back to this area... I would argue that it's probably because of the energetic frequency that is totally in disarray at this point. And then there's been a bunch of research layering on top of that. Hmm. There's a chiropractic technique that the adjusting instrument is tuned to send an impulse at frequencies of 64 hertz. Okay. Because at 64 hertz and intervals of 64 hertz, that's um, one of the natural energy waves that our body puts off. And when it starts coming out of or into dissonance or out of harmony with itself you start seeing dis-ease in the system and then disease. Sure. So it's, I know, a kind of a long-winded way around this whole energy thing, but it is real. Yeah. And there is data to support that. But most people stop when they start saying, I'm completely confused or 
don't go far enough to get there. And they say that sounds too weird. It's not mainstream enough. Yeah, I think what's interesting about all that stuff, it's kind of like the God question too, right? Mm -hmm. It's like um, it's uncomfortable for people because it sounds too weird and they don't want to be the people that sound weird or Mm -hmm. unscientific things of that nature when really like if you are science brain it's probably something that you should try to figure out it's like is there validity behind this okay like regardless of whether there is or is not validity behind it if you are science brain it's on you to figure out whether it is valid or you can't say it's not right and then something that i heard recently too was um this is such a good such a good argument and i think it was actually lane norton that said it but he was like the lack of evidence is not evidence that it's not real totally right and so like because oftentimes it takes science a long time to catch up to things because the thing that you said about anecdote it's really funny that you said that too because i have a buddy who is a um orthopedic surgeon spine spine doctor in madison and he once said to me that he thinks that like people who shit on anecdote are some of the dumbest people Mm -hmm. because Sometimes in an emergency situation, when somebody's actually dying, they came off the ambulance. The only thing you have is anecdote because you don't have the imaging. You don't even have the time to image. You don't have, right. you don't have the blood test. You don't have the time, the blood test. So what does this look like? What does this look like? What have I experienced in the past? That's anecdote. And then you treat the person based off of anecdote. And most times anecdote is what's going to save your life in the hospital, mm-hmm. not the testing. And the most you know, uh, the, the gold standard of research is still based off foundationally anecdote yeah. that then it builds upon. 100%. And that's why they call it practice in healthcare. Because yeah. you see anecdote after anecdote within your own clinic, and, and a lot of practices choose to then produce research studies off of that. Um, because those anecdotes, you're, you're gaining all of this information and knowledge from seeing person after person after person to then be able to triage that situation with a patient on the table. Yeah. I fortunately, cause I'm thinking I could handle the pressure. I, I'm not ever in an emergency scenario when I'm actually working on somebody, Yeah. but you still have people that come in in pain or they're coming in with something weird. Um, I just had a, a girl come in recently and she's, uh, she was having this numbness and it like did not fit the textbook at all. So what do you do with that person? Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I have to think and I have to lean on anecdotes that I've experienced and start exploring. And I think that's, again, where a lot of healthcare fails people is they don't trust like, okay, I have to just adapt. Yeah. Because humans don't fit the textbook. They just simply don't. Like the textbooks are based off of all this evidence and all this anecdotal information compiled over years and numbers. But when you have a a human being on the table the human body does not just behave as a textbook. It just, it it almost never does. Right. Yeah, I agree. In chiropractic school, I think this is, this is something that's like, hold on, I'm going to stop the, uh, I'm going to restart the camera real quick. Yeah. These cameras go off at 30 minutes. Yeah. And we are live again. Okay. So in school, they teach you about, energy work and frequency stuff or that was more so just the thing that you did on your own um, research wise some professors will sprinkle it in it's not part of the core coursework okay so there's certain like chiropractic techniques that are really foundational with energy work so it's not necessarily something that we're all getting yeah so you kind of get introduced to it 
barely, and then it's kind of on you to if you want to go down that road. Sure. Um, like network spinal analysis is a really good example of that. Okay. Um, I don't know enough about it to say it's good, bad, works, or doesn't. I would assume it does because there's some research on it that I haven't read. So what is that? Um, it is an energy-based technique. They do what's called a spinal, and if correct, sorry if I'm saying this incorrectly because I don't know much about it, <laughs> yeah. um, an entrainment. Um, there's a the show on, I think, Netflix maybe called The Goop Lab. Okay. And like they go into it and show it, and people have this entrainment, and they're doing all this weird movement stuff, and it's like, to me, that's almost like I, I just don't understand it. Right. Not that it's bad or wrong by any means, but there are practitioners that do that, and they... So I, I saw that. So I was like, that's, mm -hmm. to me, that's weird. Probably has validity. I know some of my friends from school that do that primarily in their practice, and they were very smart people. So I mm -hmm. trust that it works because I know they're doing it. On the other hand, then you have some classes that were just like peer-reviewed articles only. Yeah, you, you get a wide variety, but like the main coursework is more just based on evidence-based practice. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah. My next question is, why does it, why does it seem that like, every chiropractor or practice seems to be um, not faith-based, but why is there like a huge, huge number of chiropractors that are godly people? I noticed that so much when I was in school. Yeah. It was a very like obvious um, ob observation. And it's funny that you bring that up because I, I, thought the same thing. So when I first got yeah. into chiropractic school, I had kind of, I went to Catholic school growing up. I kind of just, that my faith completely fell by the wayside. I just stopped thinking about it. Mm -hmm. um, there's this really core philosophy within chiropractic, the power that made the body heals the body. So they don't necessarily mention God. Mm -hmm. um, usually they talk about it as a universal intelligence. Okay. And the main principle is that whatever made us, whatever that is, whether it's God, aliens, that paper mache thing they found in, in Mexico. Yeah. Wait, what? Um, you didn't see that alien? No. I'll get into that in a minute. Okay. A piece of cake. I'm, I'm <laughs> right. buying it. Okay. Um, whether it's God, aliens, a mix of both, evolution, who knows what. Yeah. Um, to trust that the body can heal itself based on universal intelligence that is in all life and all nature, um, it just kind of parallels a lot of what, for example, Christianity like talks about in sure. God, ask and thou shall receive in scripture. And, you know, in school, a lot of professors and friends would talk about, you know, manifestation. And mm -hmm. um, there's this, these huge parallels. So when I was going through chiropractic school, I was not really a person of faith much. I just kind of had no opinion on it, I would say. Yeah. And then I would meet these Christians that are talking about, all, you know, how, you know, it's helping people heal through God and only in the last couple of years, I started going back to church and going to a Christian church. And it's like, there's just so much parallel in what scripture talks about, um, and energy and like the power of God who created us and how we're meant to heal ourselves. I think there's so much faith within that because there's such a huge parallel in the verbiage that we're talking about and how the body actually works based on the science okay. and what scripture talks about. So I think there's just a... Sure such a parallel that people kind of gravitate toward, especially people of faith gravitate toward our profession. Can you give me like an example? So the power that made the body heals the body. Right? Yeah. So our body's designed to heal itself. Um, that is, I mean, it's a fact. Yeah. If you get a cut on your finger, I don't have to sit there and consciously think, create a scab, create clotting factors, rebuild the skin there. It just does it innately. 
Yep. With that innate intelligence that we have within us, the the fact that the body does that on its own is miraculous in a sense. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a lot of, and I, I can't dive deeper for the sake of my um, infantile state and my faith at this point. Okay, yeah. But like you're like looking at how when I go to church and the pastor's talking about like people healing and the way that they go through all these often anecdotal stories of someone healing from something that seems impossible to heal from just through prayer yeah, and through someone putting their hand on them mm-hmm. and then looking at what we do as, as a, a professional and you put your hands on somebody and you do something that seems so minor yeah, and like their body just starts healing. Um, I don't think I'm really answering your question, but it, it, it I like where you're going with this. So yeah, just keep going. It's the parallel between what they talk about that Jesus did does what God does and yeah. what we're able to facilitate yeah. as healthcare providers. You know what, what us hippies would call that is good vibes and manifesting. Yeah. So like, so, so to that point, yeah. And this was part of my exploration of my faith. I've read books on one was called the Explorer race. Hmm. It talks about like alien beings and stuff. Um, then after reading this book, then I started reading the Bible cause I was like, this sounds like, something straight out of the Bible, but with kind of different verbiage. Yeah. And then a lot of the stuff I was talking about with like the, the body healing itself. If mm-hmm. you start looking at some of these things and like what we would call that is, you know, good vibes and manifestation, mm-hmm. it's almost as if, and how I believe it is, it's almost just like different verbs for, we're talking about the same stuff. Yeah. hundred percent. So to, for one person to call it God and one person to call it universal intelligence, to me, they're just the same thing. It's tit for tat. It's the Holy Spirit yeah. and universal intelligence. Like that, yeah. if you hear someone talk in detail about universal intelligence and how that actually works, yep. And then you hear a pastor talk about how the Holy Spirit works. It's the same. Prayer is affirmation. Affirmation and meditation. Yeah. It's, yep. It's the same as prayer. Yeah, and it's interesting too because it's like if you so people say we're going to get into the disease portion of this, but people say often, like if you think positive, you give yourself positive affirmations in the morning. I'm pretty sure there's research uh, to support that too, that you'll just be overall happier, right? So if you do the, the, the things you get the result, right? But it's also, it works the opposite way too. So I'm going to get your opinion on like manifesting and all that stuff too, where I've had people that come in here, right? Cause I am a trainer by profession Right. And I see a lot of people, always the people who are injured for long periods of time are negative Nancy's every single time. There's this like, you know, there's a couple of people. Everybody has back issues. Everyone has back issues. But the people with chronic back issues are always complainers about everything, dude. There's such uh, I'll use your term parallel between those two things. And isn't there a book on that, too? Uh, the Body Keeps the Score is one. There's I think, also a yeah. book that I read, um, The Divided Mind. Okay. The Divided I, Mind's a really good one on that. I think there's a book specifically on um, back pain is in the mind. So in The Divided Mind, the guy talks about that, but it's okay. a different book you're talking about. Got it. Um, but he, he was talking about uh, psychosomatic problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this was written by a medical doctor. I bought the book because of a patient of mine that was... Mm-hmm having headaches, neck pain, back pain. We'd adjust them. They'd do great. Within a couple of weeks, it was back. Yeah. 
And the same, and I was analyzing them based off of these neurological reflexes. The way we do it is very, um, I trust what I'm feeling, but I test it based on a neurological reflex because I want confirmation that that's the primary issue. Yeah. I'm finding the same things show up again. Yep. This, is, this is weird. They're not an old person who's got this like pattern burned into them for 25 years, 30 years, whatever. Sure. So this kid coming up and then I, I brought up to them, I said, hey, was there... You know, it just popped into my head. I'm like, was there some kind of... Because then I looked back at their initial note. Like, something's... I'm missing something. Mm -hmm. So I looked back at their original file. I'm reading through their day one when we first met. And I noticed that the dates of the onset of all of these problems were in a very close time frame. Hmm. It's like, did something happen? And they just started bawling their eyes out. And there was a, an a, a assault that happened at that time. And then for years and years, their body's been holding on to this yeah. um, emotional trauma and manifesting as back pain, neck pain, headaches. Sure. So then I bought this book because I was like, there's got to be some more information on this that I want to research. And what this guy talked about was psychosomatic pain mm -hmm. is not made up. It's real. But the pain is there because the brain will literally take a traumatic event or experience or emotion, yeah. create a physical ailment as a coping mechanism for your brain to not deal with it. Yeah. So I have this trauma. It's a defense mechanism. I have headaches instead. Yeah. Because headaches are more tolerable than what happened to that person. Yeah. And I have neck pain instead because that's more tolerable than what happened to them. And they will have actual findings to support their neck is screwed up. But it won't heal hmm. because it's stuck on an emotional level. So positivity... And I could see this all day. I, I mean, if you just watched me all day long and saw the people that we're talking to, the people that come in that are super chill and they're just happy. How's life? It's wonderful. Yeah. I find like barely anything to adjust on them. Yeah. And the people that come in, they're high strung, they're stressed, their work, their family, whatever's bothering them. And they're all, they're just really like this, this tight knit person of, of, of stress, mm -hmm. whether it's from work, family, nothing at all. And they're just always high strung on it. They have a bazillion things to adjust. Yeah their outlook on where they are are those people that are woe is me i've got back problems so therefore i have back problems forever yes i've got depression so therefore i have depression forever yes they're stuck and it is very very difficult to break that yeah versus the person who is i've got back problems i can't wait to get better and back to what i'm doing yeah what do i got to do how do i get there do they that, get the results it's yeah crazy and it's not even just uh the energy portion of it right it's i i like to say this too because you don't always want to be super woo woo but the more positive outlook you have on something, the more likely you are to do the things that will get you to the point you need to be right. at. You right. You actually do take the steps. Yeah. So you'll, like you said, like patients are not, you didn't say it this way, but patients are not always compliant. Yeah. hundred percent. Because like you're, for you're me, when I hurt my neck, I was like, I dude, trust me. I like the, when I had to drop out of like my competition, I was like, man, you know, I started to feel sorry for myself. I'm like, yeah. fuck this. I cried, dude. I was like looking forward to it. It was one of my, just the thing, my goal. Right. So I cried about it. And then I was like, what the fuck am I doing? Mm -hmm. Like I can sit here and bitch about it and moan, or I can do what I have to do to get it better and not be a little pussy about this, you know? Cause <laughs> like it sucks, but like it happened. I can't change that it happened. Right. So, and like, it's not going to change in the next 48 hours. So what do I have to do immediately? I think, uh, well, I came and saw you and then immediately I asked Drew for an action plan while I was in Joplin, like what exercises can yeah. I do? What should I be doing to like move the inflammation around or whatever, stuff like that. And then he gave it to me and I just started right away. I didn't like wait on it, you know? So when you have the positive mindset, the more likely you are to do the things when you're talking about the emotional, um, baggage 
for lack of better terms, that's stuck in the body. It's really funny that you say that too, because I brought that up to Drew. I was like, man, I just feel like I'm getting all these like aches and pains and like, you know, things happening because I'm just so stressed out and the energy is just stored in my body. I was like, what do you think about that? He's like, I think there's something to that. And then I told him about, so I did the yoga teacher training, the 200 hour yoga teacher training. And one of the things that they tell you about in yoga teacher training is that like you will see people release and start to cry like through mobility or whatever. Right. And they say that trauma is stored in the hips and whatever. I was like, ah, this is bullshit. You know, I was, I've always been into the law of attraction and like frequency stuff since I was probably like 19 years old meditating since like 20, twice a day, 20 minutes for years. Um, transcendental meditation, but like that was too woo woo for me. Right. Sure. The, the emotional stuff. Um, maybe because I don't emotions kind of make me uncomfortable a little bit. Right. Probably because of all the trauma I went through as a kid, <laughs> it's an you uncomfortable know, thing to break into. Yeah. So then, and so mind you, I'm in a class, it's all females. It's just me, right? It's just me as the guy. I'm not a female. I don't have, I do not identify that way. So I'm in this, I'm in this class and we start talking about that. I'm like, ah, this is bullshit. Dude, I experienced it. Mm-hmm. I, myself, I experienced it. Right. And then I've seen other people go through it too. And I was like, what the fuck? A lot of people cry on the table. It's so interesting. Manly men that are blue collar covered in dirt from their hard day of work. And you do a certain adjustment and then they, they start crying. Yeah. They're all embarrassed. And it's like, like let that like process that, let it go place, let it go. And, I haven't heard emotion or like trauma can be stored in the hips. How I've learned about it was that it's stored in the nervous system in a variety of places. And there's certain techniques within chiropractic. Also, um, one is neuro emotional technique and one is best technique, which is bioenergetic synchronization technique. Mm. I don't know much about them except that they are heavily involved in emotion Mm -hmm. and that the basis is certain parts of the nervous system and the body as a whole will store certain emotions. Hmm. So, for example, a right shoulder might be associated with a specific emotion, like, and I, I don't know what that one would be, but like anger. Yeah. So when emotion stores in the body, sounds kind of woo-woo, but like think of your brain as a computer. It is that. It yeah. stores an insane amount of like bits of information yep. traveling through the system at, at the, I mean, well, the research shows it's about 268 miles per hour for a signal to go from your brain to your body or an organ or tissue and back. Holy cow. So it's fast. You create a disruption in that with any kind of trauma and any kind of stress. It like gets stuck. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it is an emotional problem. And to release that through therapy, through body work, through something like it, it it's there. Like, it, yeah, you've seen it and it's, it's cool. Yeah, it is cool. I think it's also interesting how people can think that that's like bullshit, though, that like emotions get stored somewhere because it's like uh, let's for men, for example, right? Like a lot of men just whether it's an issue or not, or we deal with things a different way. um, The truth is that men don't really take the time to process emotions a lot of a lot of time. Right. They just kind of let it go. And then one day that guy a lot of times just blows up out of nowhere. It just explodes. Right. And it's like, yeah, because you've let it pent up for so long. You've let it store for so long that the minute that you do finally explode, oh, the world is over. It's right. atomic. It's tipping point, the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, 
from a data processing standpoint, like if you look at how the body really functions and processes data, think about like as we're even talking right now, mm -hmm. you're not having to think about what you're going to say, then say it. Right. Like think about how many muscles have to activate from your vocal cords to your tongue to your lips and everything yeah. to send out a signal based on what I just said for you to even nod your head to do anything right. while simultaneously breathing, blinking, your heart's beating, your intestines are working, everything to function at the same time is the biggest supercomputer you could ever freaking imagine in this dense pack of like fatty tissue in your skull. Yeah. That's just going all the time. Yeah. So you throw something at it, it has to process that information one way or another. Mm -hmm. That's why like sensory um, processing disorders, autism, for example, mm -hmm. those children have such a hard time in society because they're too aware. Overstimulated. That fan running in the background, that light that's in the corner over there, the light over there, the microphone, you nodded your head, I heard this, I heard that, the door. And it, it doesn't process well. Mm -hmm. So it's taking a crazy straw route. So your, your, your body starts to short circuit. Mm -hmm in autism, for example, as well, then those children often have interesting posture. Their body starts to posture differently. They start to have neurological reflex issues, what are called uh, retained primitive reflexes. So for example, the autistic child who walks on their toes, hmm. it's because of Babinski's reflex that if you swipe the bottom of the foot, the toes should, um, in anyone over one year old, they, they should curl down or do nothing. Hmm. And in a baby, the toes should curl up. When you hit the floor, that reflex is getting stimulated. If it's still super hyperactive, it's another thing throwing at their brain. So they're smart. They walk on their toes. They avoid it. To have all this data processing, throw a trauma in there that you just brush off. It didn't brush off. It's in there. In the whole body. Because even the fascia, for example, is one of the most highly neurological innervated structures in the body. And it touches every single cell. Yeah. It used to be thought of as a saran wrap around the muscles and in dissection, they would remove it and throw it out. And then they discovered, oh, wow, this actually like goes through the muscle, through the bone. Every cell is touched by the fascia and it is loaded with nerves. Huh. Inter Wait, so, okay. Circle back real quick. So autistic kids walk on their toes because it's too stimulating to... To the brain. Oh, okay. Because of a reflex in the foot. That is most of the time the cause of that. Wow crazy mm -hmm. that's wild i never knew that i didn't know any of the stuff that you just said so that's pretty wild dude yeah so it's where i'm going with that is like yeah. from an emotional perspective from a positive or negative outlook perspective all of these things fall into data processing mm -hmm. and the data processing of the body is in the brain and the nervous system because it is one piece mm -hmm. and that nervous system touches every single cell that you have yeah so there is no way around the fact that any experience you have has to go through your brain mm -hmm. and every cell. Yeah. It's one piece. Yeah. And that's where, again, the mechanistic model is, is incorrect because if I stub my toe, it plays a role in balance. It plays a role in foot mechanics. And if I just turn my foot in, you can even see probably, you know, I'm exaggerating a little bit here. If I turn my foot in, what's moving to my shoulders, my head, everything. Yeah. It's like if I, push this microphone, I touch here, the thing on the floor piece might move. Yeah. It all works together as one big unit. Sure. And processes every single piece of information together. So what does chiropractic do to like, um, to work on that, to help people? It focuses on restoring normal physiology. Okay. So it's what is normal? Normal being the, well, 
I'm going to use the word normal again for it, but I'll elaborate on that a little bit. Normal okay. physiology would be everything that my body's intended to do based on the structure and or you know physiology that I'm meant to have. Okay. Is supposed to function on a level of heal itself, last a really long time. Some say even up to 130 years. Um, some say longer. The body's ability to regenerate, the body's ability to process food, mm-hmm. to see, to smell, to taste, sensation, all of that at its base level to just run normally okay. m- requires a healthy nervous system mm-hmm. because if you create interference to that nervous system, it disrupts the signals. Okay. So if my brain's trying to talk to my hand to do what I'm doing right now, that signal has to travel at 268 miles per hour back and forth. If I create a misalignment in the spine, which is the central line of that, Mm -hmm. that signal now is a little choppy. Maybe it's traveling at 265 miles an hour. Okay. Maybe it's at 100. Maybe it's not moving at all. Sure. So neck injury. Yep. Arm starts going numb. You get weakness. Yeah, that that signal is severely disrupted. Mm -hmm. Whether it's the disc, just a misalignment, a mix of the two. And a lot will talk about a misalignment in the spine as like a kink in a garden hose. I Mm -hmm. use that analogy all the time. That's not really how it works. When there's a misalignment in the spine, it's the faulty movement pattern at that level that starts disrupting the signals and creating inflammation and then suffocating the nerve. Got it. And that's why oftentimes misalignments don't even hurt. So that's what I was going to ask you is that I just saw on Instagram Reels, the place where you find all the knowledge. Always accurate information. (laughs) Yep. A chiropractor went on there and he said that one of the things that he wishes patients knew is that when he said that you're not actually aligning the spine. So like, like if we would picture it, like this is, you know, um, your thoracic spine, this is your lumbar spine that it's not like you're taking it from here back to here. Sure. Right. Is that correct? Sometimes. Okay. Okay. There are scenarios where you are trying to do that. And as a blanket statement of that's not like the goal. Like if it's not somebody with scoliosis or something. Yeah. 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 So I would say that's correct. Okay. Yeah. Because if a, if a spinal segment misaligns, we're not trying to just put it back. Okay. In, so, a, in a sense, you are. Like, even the adjustment is like, this is twisted to the right. I want to move it to the left. I don't just sure. want to mobilize it. I want to fix that alignment. But any good chiropractor is not going to say, you have neck pain. I'm going to just fix your next spot. Right. Because everything does interconnect. So you have to look, at, again, the system as a whole and say, yeah. what nerves does that affect? What other parts of the body is that segment effect? And we're restoring normal motion to that segment based on that and the rest of the compensatory stuff. Okay. So I'm trying to, I'm just trying to make sense of this. So like if, so how you would describe it, maybe it may, if this makes sense, would it be as if it was like a vein and then there was blockage in the vein, but it still goes the same way. So that's the kink in the garden hose analogy. Okay. It's less of a direct blockage because a vein works as, I mean, it's a tube. Yeah. Valves. Mm -hmm. The nerves work as electrical signaling. Yeah. So you put direct pressure on it. It only Mm -hmm. takes about the weight of a dime to disrupt a nerve. So direct pressure is very detrimental to it. Hence why a disc herniation. I've had moms get disc herniations and say, I'd rather have... Uh, 10 children in a row than have that disc herniation again if it's bad enough. I probably would have rather given birth than dealt with the and neck I've pain had, that I had. I've had multiple kids say that. Yeah. <laughs> um, which I'll never understand the difference because I sure. can't have a kid, but... Um, right. Well, 
Well, I can. No. <laughs> my wife. Well, yeah. <laughs> I guess we've all seen the. Was it Junior Arnold Schwarzenegger? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's the disruption of the signaling. Okay. Which can happen so many different ways. But by restoring that alignment of the spine, you're basically making sure that path is clear. And okay. The motion is clear. And all the other stuff that ties to it is clear and just moving properly. Got it. So then how does chiropractic actually like clear that up? So when we make an adjustment yeah. and there's a bazillion ways to do it, for example, there's the energy based techniques and then there's the um, spinal curve correction with a company called chiropractic biophysics. They are like all research and mm -hmm. I use a lot of their stuff. Um, as a whole, what chiropractic is doing is saying, let's find where there's stress in the system An adjustment will actually shift the vertebra back to the correct position, restore proper motion and allow those signals to flow more clearly. Okay. On top of that, then we look at, all right, are the curves of the spine creating additional stress on that? And do we have to actually correct the curves? So Got for it. example, the neck should be in a, in a C curve in this direction. It is extremely common nowadays that that starts to flatten out because of posture technology and the way the birth process is in our country um, and probably world at this point. But because of these little traumas that allow our system to start falling out of that proper alignment, it's just more strain, more stress, more stretch on the nerves. So we're trying to create as little stress on the nervous system as possible. That's the main goal. Okay. Because chiropractic doesn't make you feel better. It makes you heal better. I've heard that. And that's not a direct quote from me. I've heard that from many other sources. I like that. Because we're just restoring normal. All I want to do is say, here's stress in the system. Let's restore normal. And your body will do the rest. Okay. I don't actually heal the body at all. I just make it normal again. Sure. And then you layer on top of that the other forms of stress the body deals with. And our job, I mean, doctor means teacher. We're, we're there to teach people what do you have to do now? Because it's not chiropractic the end all be all. Right. Is it the greatest profession in the world? Sure, I think so. Because I am. <laughs> sure, yeah. But like, do I think everybody should be seeing a chiropractor? Yes. I've adjusted my newborn children. They get adjusted regularly. I get adjusted once a week at least. I think everybody should be getting adjusted because it's so good for your body to restore normal, normal function. Mm -hmm. But if you eat like crap and don't move and don't exercise and don't sleep well and have a negative outlook on life, like, it's not going to take you very far. Right. You got bigger problems to deal with. There's a lot of other stuff that like you're going to have to address or you'll never actually heal. You'll never function properly. Sure. And that's, we're actually doing a workshop this weekend on Saturday at 11. Um, and we're talking about the three T's of stress. It's traumas, thoughts, and toxins. Got so it. If you think about your body like a bucket, um, and I, I love this analogy for it. If your body's a bucket and as stress goes in the bucket, it fills up. Mm -hmm. Your nervous system is what empties that bucket. So if you make sure your nervous system is healthy by making sure you're seeing a chiropractor, making sure spinal alignment's right, the curves are right, the motion of the spine is right, you layer on top of that, making sure the mechanics of the body are right with fitness and physical therapy and all sorts of stuff, then your body can process stress well. But if you're still overloading the bucket, it's still going to overflow. Sure. It could only handle so much. Right. And those three T's are traumas, thoughts, and toxins. It's physical trauma, it's emotional trauma, and it's chemical trauma, the food mm -hmm. we eat and the air we breathe. You layer those things all together and you look at the normal general you know, general public, we are bombarded by that stress, no oh, matter yeah. what we do. Yeah. And everyone's bucket's a different size. Yeah. So, you know, someone who smokes unfiltered cigarettes their whole life and they live to 100, it's like, geez. Right. Think about the genetic potential there. Their bucket was gigantic. Versus the person who gets a chronic illness as a child. Totally. Let me restart this one more time. Yeah. All right. This will be the last one. Yeah. Okay. So with that, just two more questions, basically. Yeah. Um, 
this this word that you keep saying and i i'm sure that i probably know what you mean but just for like people who are listening i'm just gonna push back on it a little bit what is normal Mm, yeah you know (laughs) so like for me right it's like there isn't uh it's it's a i understand what you're saying when you say normal but i think that a lot of people think when they hear normal you need let's take uh squatting for example people could be like this is how you squat normally and it's well no right everybody's different we have different mechanics we have different ways of moving um somebody might have to put the bar on a certain part of their back compared to another they might have to have a more narrow stance so in chiropractic when you use the word normal what is what are you saying I love that question. I don't think I've ever been asked that question before, which is good, thought-provoking. I like that. Um, And push back on this, too, because I'm I'm curious your thoughts on it. I I would say normal would be the ability to squat. Yeah, yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. to be able to sit up, squat, do a push-up. Like, it's the ability to have movement. To be able to do that function. Like, you should be able to, at 100 years old, still do a squat sure be able to sit on the toilet and get up without a problem yeah we're not meant to be i can't get up and i'm grabbing stuff and i'm too weak and i can't get up and down so how you squat is a great example of like there there's not a right or wrong yeah because everyone's body mechanics are a little bit different sure for me i always did this really wide stance squat Mm -hmm. and i had a coach once tell me like like your frame's pretty like narrow he didn't call me petite, but it made me feel petite. Um, <laughs> sure. So then I kind of narrowed my stance just a little bit and I got way more depth out of it. Yeah. It was stronger and it was like, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Mm-hmm. And I had another coach tell me and she was like, yeah, you're, you're sticking your butt out too much. And I was like, oh, that's, I see so many people get injured by rounding their back on a deadlift or a squat. Mm-hmm. So I was exaggerating it. So then I changed that slightly and I was like, oh, I'm even stronger, more stable. Like that's what's, normal for me Mm -hmm. and it's a challenge because like as a chiropractor still i was doing stuff wrong with my form sure because i don't i can't watch myself i can't see myself and i can't um fully understand what my body's doing without someone who's an expert in fitness to watch me and say yeah no that mechanically is gonna hurt you yeah versus someone else might need a wider stance squat yeah but for someone who just can't squat why Right. Again, why till your face turns blue? Is it because of an injury? Is it a birth defect? Is there something structural that's off? Mm-hmm. Maybe they can't squat and they shouldn't squat. But we should, like normal would be the ability to squat without a circumstance outside of that that is like a strange thing. You know? Right. Okay. So what would that be in terms of like chiropractic care then? It's so like how would you discern between like somebody who's not doing something normally and... Sure are doing it normally. I look at it from the standpoint of it's from a holistic approach. Yeah. I look at somebody and I, I want to restore, they should be pain free. They should be able to move. They should be able to function without any symptoms. Now we don't base our care on those symptoms. So if someone's got heartburn, I'm looking at how the nervous system is functioning is the thing that they're paying me to do. Yep. But then I'm also looking at, okay, if that's not resolving with what I'm doing with working on your nervous system, then maybe the nervous system is not the problem there. There's a symptom associated telling us that's a red flag. There's something wrong. Got it. So it's eliminating red flags that something's not functioning the way it's supposed to. And that kind of circles back to, well, what is it supposed to do? Mm-hmm. Your digestion should be healthy. Your 
senses should all be functioning at their highest level based on what you've got. If there is some kind of structural defect or major injury that has created a problem that's unfixable, your body should be doing the best it can for what it has Yeah. on all physiological levels from processing food to sleeping to concentration to function and to figure out. And I, I guess that's part of the individuality of, of our approach is let's figure out what is normal Yeah. versus common. Okay. Oh, I just get the normal headaches. Yeah. That's never normal. That's not headaches normal. Headaches are never yeah. normal. Yep. So it's almost like normal is being void of the the bad <laughs> of the bad i guess yeah that's, that's a poor way to put it because i mean you can assess normal we have nervous system scans in our office mm -hmm. we scan for thermal scans surface emg and heart rate variability that's an objective way for us to look at normal function sure based on uh, normative data what out of the population looks like somebody who has no symptoms has no issues and is functioning well versus somebody who has pain, who has symptoms, poor mobility, whatever, and they've done tons of studies on this stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the reasons I like the scans. Because mm -hmm. you could come in and say, dude, my neck's doing great, I feel awesome. And then I do a scan, and I'm like, well, it's not yet. Yeah. Like, that's a challenge too, because then people are like, is this guy BSing me or not? It's like, well, that's why I have objective data. I want right. to show you that. Here's why function is not showing as normal. Mm -hmm. And here's where you might be feeling really good but not functioning really well. Sure. And I think normal is optimal function because pain is one of the last things to show up when there's dysfunction, unless it's, you know, you got hit with a baseball. So to only base what you do and what interventions you do, whether it be in fitness, chiropractic, nutrition, whatever, only base it on pain yeah. or symptoms, you're missing the boat. Okay. You have to base it on function. Yep. Because function is everything. Yeah. And symptoms are a result of prolonged or extreme dysfunction yeah that makes a lot of sense Kinda. yeah 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 yeah. totally yeah I, I totally get it i think that people listening too will get it from that okay yeah cool. for sure um the last question that i have this might be like a big question why do you think chiropractors get so much shit i think a big piece of it um comes from the past of not having a lot of research behind what we were doing mm -hmm. only being anecdotal which i is not the case anymore yeah but people are still stuck in an old model of like no that's bs it doesn't work because of i don't know why it's because they're think they're listening to maybe it's an older doctor that is not up to date on their research because um our continuing education as healthcare providers like we're learning from something that's sponsored by something yeah so if a doctor goes and does continuing ad that's sponsored by a big pharmaceutical company, they're going to learn what that pharmaceutical company wants them to hear. So it's up to that doctor to then make sure they're going in with an open mind on what they're saying and also looking at that with, with critique. So when you have older doctors that they are not doing that and they're just basing it off of what the old data used to say or lack thereof, then they say chiropractic doesn't really do anything. Um, I think just like any profession, there's bad chiropractors, just like there's bad anything, electricians, yeah. whatever. Um, so sometimes people go into a chiropractor that's not being very thorough and they're not doing a really good job in actually listening to the person and, and thinking through what is the root cause. And if you go to a chiropractor that just says hop on the table and they don't do anything first, you're flipping a coin a little bit, not on if you're yeah. hurt or not necessarily, maybe, but it's, is that, 
doctor actually doing what they're supposed to to make sure that you're going to get the results that you're there for. Right. And if you go to, like, I've had tons of people, like, I've been to chiropractors, it didn't work, it did nothing for me. It's like, we're different. We're there to really be thorough up front, to know what, one, your goals are. And two, like, what, do you, what are we going to be able to achieve through chiropractic? And if, and if it's something that's not chiropractic, how do we guide that person in the right direction? Sure. So I think chiropractors, you know, because of the past of having not as much evidence as medicine had, it was just kind of put on the wayside. And there was in, I believe it's in the early 90s, a very large lawsuit in the American Chiropractic Association against the American Medical Association yeah. for actual slander and trying to basically squash the chiropractic profession, mm-hmm. saying that this is BS and the American Chiropractic Association won this big lawsuit against them because it was like, you can't, like they're basically trying to get rid of us because it kind of goes against what a lot of their saying in yeah. pill for this when maybe I can really fix it. Yeah. And that the spine and nervous system is more than just something that causes pain. It affects every part of the body. Um, even back when chiropractic first started as a profession, a lot of chiropractors were put in jail for practicing medicine without a license. And their argument against that was we're not practicing medicine, we're practicing chiropractic. And they were putting these docs in jail. Um, and there's a monument to that at Life University that has this flame that always stays on and this kind of brick jail cell with all Mm -hmm. the names on it of all these docs that kind of said well i'm not going to back down i'm going to stick with what i'm doing and went to jail for it and there's a lot of politics to that yeah for sure and i think most people if they if you and if you're listening and you're like i've been to a chiropractor or haven't and there's no way that works um go explore more because I don't care what you think. The data supports that it does work. Yeah. And what I see, been open for about six and a half years now, um, that plus what I saw in school, like it is one of the most incredible things that you can do for your body to restore what our body's meant to do, to heal itself, to function at this high level. And Mm -hmm. the lives that we've changed in our office and the things we've seen people recover from and overcome and see just by adding chiropractic care, like it works. Yeah. And if you don't believe that, it's not a belief system. You've either been to a bad one, you went to one that was really good, but it wasn't the right technique for you. Or if you're not even willing to explore it, then you're just closed minded. Yeah. I would also beg those people to ask the question of whether or not their actual medical provider is giving them care that works too. Well, even I've had people like, Oh, is this dangerous? Am I going to get hurt? Follow the money. Yeah. My malpractice insurance is Dirt cheap. Mm-hmm. Medical doctors' malpractice insurance is very expensive. It's way riskier. So, yeah, who pays for the injury? Right. Insurance. Yeah. Which one's riskier? Follow the money on that. Yeah. Like it is. It's not dangerous to do, unless you just have some really incompetent provider. Right. Just like in medicine. Yeah. It's not really that risky unless you have an incompetent provider. Mm-hmm. And misuse of medication is much more dangerous. And it happens way more frequently. Almost constantly. Yeah. So, yeah. All right, dude. Well, with that all being said, I have three questions that I ask people at the end of every pod. Sometimes they're not very relevant to how the podcast went, but I'm going to ask anyway. Um, what is your, and I think I know this actually, what's your biggest goal for the next year? Personally, professionally, or any of the above? We can do both. Um, personally, spend more time with my family. Cool. Um, as a business owner, it, it can be a lot. And Very hard. It's always a work-life balance thing. Um, professionally, which to 
balance these two as a challenge uh, is to continue to grow our practice to accommodate more people. So yep. I want to see more people, help more people, and add more staff to be able to accommodate even more. We have it on our vision board in the back of our office. We want to be the most desired healthcare facility in Southeast Wisconsin. That's cool. And I truly believe that we are. That's awesome, dude. <laughs> Heck yeah. Yeah, you got to put it out there, right? Yeah. Put it into the universe. You guys take note of how he just phrased that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I stopped myself of almost incorrectly phrasing it. I That's think. good, dude. Yeah. Oftentimes when I talk to people about like um, money or I say like, if, if we're talking about money, I'll go when I'm rich instead of saying like if, if you know, because right. it's just like, yeah, it doesn't hurt also to say when as opposed to if people might look at right. you like you're crazy, but it doesn't really matter. Goals on the micro that, you know, hey, we have this revenue goal as a business or we want to see yep. this many new people or whatever. And I cannot believe how incredible manifestation is on that. Yeah. Like we had this really lofty goal uh, last month at the end where it's like, all right, as a team, we're like, all right, we want to see this many people, whatever. And it was like, well, how about this? I'm like, all right, let's write it on the board. We will. We are going to whatever. Yeah. Um, and it, like we overshot the goal. That's sick. Like a crazy goal. That's cool. And we went to a pediatric seminar once. And we have a lot of training in pediatric prenatal care. Came back all fired up. We're like, we are the best prenatal uh, chiropractors in, the, in, in Wisconsin. Did no additional advertising the next week. I think we had like seven or eight pregnant moms just calling. Yeah. Okay. It's cool. Manifesting is real, dude. Asking you shall receive. I mean, it says it in the Bible, right? And we could go into the whole thing about the Bible, but um, we won't for the sake of time today. Um, The second question is, what are you willing to sacrifice for that goal? For those goals? Um, Let's not do the personal one because there's probably not a lot of sacrifice that you should do to yeah, spend yeah, more time yeah. with your family. Um, I was going to say, I mean, it kind of is a piece of personal, but like some of it is, is sleep, which is not necessarily a healthy thing to sacrifice. I also don't have much choice in that with young children. <laughs> yeah, no um, choice. I, and this is kind of a, maybe a, not what you're looking for, but I'm kind of not, I don't feel like I'm sacrificing anything. That's exactly I really what don't. I'm looking for. I, I just feel like, because I, I, like nothing came to my head mm-hmm. because everything that I'm doing is very intentional and it's what I want to do yeah. and it's what I feel called to do and mm-hmm. I feel passionate about. So I'm not, yeah, sleep. I'm not because then I just make sure I go to bed early enough to get up and work out and get that stuff in and then still go to work. Yeah. Um, maybe a little bit of a little bit of like free time of like the fun stuff. Like I love to golf. Yeah. So maybe I don't play golf as much as I'd like to, but I also, my wife would argue I play golf way more than I probably <laughs> yeah, play golf. Sure. So I, I, I honestly don't feel like I'm sacrificing anything because I, I'm very confident in our plan and what we're doing and that it's working. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. I, that's exactly what I'm looking for actually. Cause the only other person to answer it like that was Kelly Benfi. Yeah. And, um, she said like she doesn't feel like she's sacrificing anything it's just a part of her lifestyle yeah just is what it is and i think that that's so integral for people that want to be successful is to not look at things that on the outside a lot of things look a sacrifice look look like sacrifice right like i don't drink anymore and i don't go hang out with friends often on the weekend and stuff and that seems like a sacrifice but it's like it's not because right i'm doing what i want to do in in that season bar and party every night like did I do that in college? Yeah. Was it fun? Yeah. yeah. Like I just, I don't even like my brain doesn't want to do that. Right. Yeah. So someone who's saying, well, I want to go on my own business, but man, I got to sacrifice going out and partying every day. Yeah. It's like, it, 
like when you're when you're on purpose like it doesn't yep. feel like a sacrifice at all and i would even argue that like that's not something that you actually want then right. it's just something that you would like to have right and like even at the same time it's like maybe i'm just getting old now but yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the, the energy to go <laughs> to go party, party all night o'clock in the morning yeah, no hell no no especially with kids dude waking up hungover is the absolute worst <laughs> i haven't done it in like a year and a half and i'm sticking to this for a while yeah. at least um then the last question is what are you not willing to sacrifice to achieve the goals um i think one that is a bit of a challenge for me because I, I definitely i really enjoy like building our business and it's really fun but what i'm not willing to sacrifice and have to constantly remind myself that is like putting the time in with my family yeah i think that's just a, a hard thing to to balance like it is but it isn't but you know hey i can go home for lunch now or i should work on this project i'm working on sure well, let's make sure that I don't just sacrifice one for the other. And uh, a mentor of mine, Dr. Plasker, uh, he always talks about, and he's with the 100 Year Lifestyle, which we're you know affiliates with. Um, he said you have to plan your prime time, play time, and prep time. Mm. And when you take a year at a glance calendar, the first thing you have to plan is your play time. Mm -hmm. And those are immovable: birthdays, weddings, family trips, because you could have all the money in the world and all the success in the world, and if you don't have friends or family. It, it's worthless. Yeah, right. So you need I, to have I your tribe. The human connection, mm -hmm. first and foremost, to my family, my kids, my wife, and the next step of that is 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 friends. Like yeah, I, I'm a very social creature myself, and I I'm unwilling to sacrifice doing stuff with humans. Sweet. So I'm not going to be sitting in a in a closed room working my business all day to then sleep, turn it over again, and my kids say, yeah, "I never saw Daddy was a workaholic." Right. Yeah. Cool, dude. I love that. Well. That's the end of this pod. Thanks so much for being on the Thanks episode, dude. Yeah, appreciate you. I think this will be like episode 13 or 12, something like that. Sweet. Anyways, we're chasing that 20 episodes because Alex Hermosi says you're in the 1% of podcasters if you have 20 episodes. So cool. we're almost to the 1%. Happy Thanks so much for being on here. Plug it real quick again. Tell them where you're at. Yeah, North Point Chiropractic. Um, we are right on Capitol Drive next to like Adventure Rock um, between Springdale and Barker. Been open for about six and a half years, coming on seven soon. We're looking to expand family care, anywhere from pregnant moms to grandparents, athletes, anywhere in between. It's all about optimizing the body's function to normal yeah. um, and making your life void of wondering if you're going to still be able to do the fun stuff that you want to do now and forever. You might live to 100 whether you like it or not. So <laughs> prep for that. Like You need to make sure your body's functioning well. And no matter if it's a chiropractic adjustment thing or something else, we are there to be the healthcare provider for you and actually think through the problem and make sure you're hitting the goals that you actually want to do. Sweet. Well, I appreciate your time, dude. Thanks so much. Yeah. Thanks again for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. All right. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Goodbye. That was really good, dude. Sweet. Yeah, it was fun. Awesome, man. Appreciate Pre yeah. Appreciate you having me on it. And, um,